It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Hello and welcome to the Political Party Podcast. It feels like ages since I last did one, but I think it's because during the election I was doing one every day. Doing one once a week now uh, just feels like a famine for my mind. I mean, I'm not uh, certainly not suggesting that you're necessarily missing them, but for me, oh man, I felt like I was in there every day and now I'm like, oh, I sort of feel like a football fan who can't get to matches anymore. But uh, it's great to be back. It was only one hour, of course, last week. But it is lovely to be back. And today's guest uh, is someone who I have wanted to interview for a very long time and someone who I first started following on social media. He's a fascinating person to follow. He's Robert Colville. He's director of the Centre for Policy Studies, a think tank co-founded by Margaret Thatcher in 1974, editor-in-chief of CapEx and author of the Tory manifesto, Get Brexit Done, Unleash Britain's Potential. I began by asking him how he ended up writing a manifesto. Uh, well, so, co- so co-author, I should, I, I should be, <laughs> okay. I should be very, very clear on that. Um, I mean, essentially, I'm, um, I run a think tank, uh, but I'm also a former journalist. I worked at The Telegraph for 10 years, ending up running their comment section. Um, a, a large part of what I do in my day job is, is just editing. Um, so I knew uh, Manira Mirza and Rachel Wolfe, who were the people who were writing the manifesto. And um, yeah, they basically said, come in and, um, you know, uh, and with your sort of journalist hat on um, and, um, and help us uh, to, um, to sort of... To, to, with with a, with a document, so um, yeah, so so I so I can claim absolutely no credit for any of the strategy, any of the any of the sort of key decisions, any of the numbers involved. But but if anyone spots a typo, that's on me. <laughs> so obviously, you have that journalistic background and, and and the editing skills. Had you done anything like this before? A, a, a document for a political party? No, I mean I've. Um, I mean, obviously, we're doing you know policy work all the time. So I you know I'm, I'm sort of familiar with that that world, but. Um, but no, I've, I mean, I only you know I only joined the Tory Party um, when I when I got when I got this current this current job. Um, I you know because when I was a journalist, I thought you you probably shouldn't do anything. Uh, you, you know, I I, I thought you, you probably shouldn't be sort of on one side or, or the other. Yeah. Um. So then you you end up. So you get the call. I mean, was there any part of you that thinks no, I don't want to do that? Um. Yeah, well, it was it was like you know you, you it's it's very clearly you're going to be a, a sort of fairly stressed uh, stress, stress process, um, but ultimately, um, you know, no, I mean, I just I just hate Jeremy Corbyn so much. Uh, <laughs> oh man, um, so that was the driving. Well, not, not really. I mean, not 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 personally, but you know, it was. You know, I, I am. I'm really. I, I'm. I'm. I mean, I'm so opposed to to what he, what he stands for. The the things that he wanted to do, the policies he had. You know, I just thought it would be a disaster for this country. And I also, you know, I did want to get Brexit done. I I, I voted Remain back in the, back in the day. But you know, I I think you know when you know, most of the population vote for something, you probably have to. And uh, I can just I can just picture people thinking, but most people didn't. Well, if you do it, turn out only. But you know, ultimately, you know. So um, and you know, and fundamentally, I I tend to think that free market ideas and uh, you know, 
capitalism and that sort of thing have been quite good for good for us. So there, there wasn't. It was. It was. A, you know, if they, it was sort of terrifying. Uh, the, the, the responsibility of doing it was terrifying, yeah. but I, but I didn't have any sort of doubts about about saying yes if they thought that I could I could do it. So, in terms of the job itself, did you then have to work out of CCHQ? Could you do this from home? What was the process? Um, you probably have to. Um, well, I mean, you, know, I'm, I, I, you probably have to. You know, Obviously, you know you don't want to be sort of wandering around the streets of Westminster with the, the you know, the, with the Tory manifesto, uh, you know, you know, in a briefcase. I um, mean, you know, or um, no. Uh, so, um, so I so went into um, I, I took I took time off work and um, uh, I went in and uh, and volunteered and um, got through an enormous amount of chicken katsu curry. That was, <laughs> that was basically what a brilliant, the, brilliant dish. Yeah, it's it's oh, it was yeah because there's a there's a there's a place um, there's a place by St James's Park Station which does. Uh, like all, it's just incredibly healthy. So it's like sushi, vegetable stuff. But then it just has like a kind of a thing of like, and here's the katsu. <laughs> <laughs> was... It's the best. I mean, I would put it up there. I think you know when they do polls of favourite British foods, and it would be you'd have your standard British comfort food, shepherd's pie, Sunday roasts, bangers and mash, and then you'd have uh, you know Chinese and, and Indian food. I think chicken katsu curry in twenty years time. I mean, even in five years' time, could be voted Britain's favourite. So, so, dish. so I, I, I'm not sure whether this is true or not, but I was told this a few a few days ago that because um, we, we were talking about how you can change, like how easy it is to change people's behaviour, because that's a kind of conversation we have in think tanks. And someone said that apparently, like Japan after the Second World War, they decided like one of the reasons they'd lost was because they didn't like you know everyone was eating sort of rice and vegetables, and they didn't have the sort of muscle mass of the of the um, of these beefy American uh, oh GIs. My God. So they like. So, like, there was a sort of deliberate program to reinvent Japanese cuisine, and apparently, and you know, again, people on the internet, please correct me, but um, apparently, chicken katsu was like part of this program of like convincing the the Japanese to to eat uh, to eat more meat and fish and you know protein. I mean, the problem is after a chicken katsu curry, I can't think of anything I'd more. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're not less than fight. <laughs> yes. Oh man, yes. it's so filling, but so satisfying. Yeah, I know. I'm. A, I'm. A, yeah, I'm. A, I, I, I mean, one of the obvious. I mean, one of the obvious things about politics, and especially election campaigns, is you know, you lose all like health goes out of the window. Yes. It, it's, you know, you're just you're just uh, you know just trying to get as much uh, energy in as as you possibly can. So, I presume the process starts when Boris calls the election or says he wants. It. I mean, in the run up to there, had they sounded you out and said, "Look, if there is an election, would you be interested?" Um, no, but uh, you know. Uh, so as with all the other think tanks, um, and I imagine this was the same thing was going on, on on the left. Basically, you're just kind of going, "Hey guys, hey, we've got these ideas. We've got some. Look, look, we've done these really. You know, we've we've done stuff. Um, you know, you're, so you're, so there's a kind of a thing of saying. Uh, and actually, in our case, um, at the Centre for Policy Studies, what we sort of so t- uh, basically quite a lot of what we were doing was had been a reaction to the 2017 manifesto, where basically you you look at it and there's no reason in it for anyone to vote conservative. <laughs> I mean, um, I mean that's you know. I mean, there's a few things in there, but they're kind of mostly left over from the Cameron uh, uh, pro- uh, manifestos, which they just yes. haven't had time to clear out, and they don't talk about them because they're Cameron's things. And so, and it, but it's not just about sort of conservatism; it's about like you know, capitalism. It's like you know, if you don't explain to people how you know free market ideas uh, can actually make their lives better, then they're not going to believe that they can make their lives better. So. Our sort of core policy program was very clearly about okay, you know, how do we develop policies which 
show people how how our kind of philosophy can make their lives better. So, like we, the key one of our big our big reports was saying, um, you know, on tax, let's stop talking about um, you know cutting taxes on the wealthy and stuff. Let's let's just sort of take take a basic basic sort of philosophical thing that you know people are you know people work harder when they can keep more of their own money. And if you take more than say half of what they earn, they're probably not going to bother earning it. And actually, when you sort of apply that principle more broadly you realize that the, the key problem with that is at the lower end of the scale like you know as you're especially as you're trying to come off in, from welfare into work it's it's a it's a moral abomination that some you know the, the ceo is paying a lower marginal tax rate than the the person who's tidying his office and so so i think to say look let's stop talking about you know tax rates per se let's start talking about making work pay let's start talking about let's focus if, if you're going to do tax cuts focus them on the lowest lower end of the income scale um you know eg by raising na- the national insurance threshold um because so the actual the, the original personal allowance was actually a, a cps idea our, our our now former chairman morisachi um, wrote a paper back in i think sort of 2003 called you know poor people stop paying tax which then the lib dems uh, read and thought oh that's interesting and then brought it with them into the into the coalition so that you know the fact that that was the main that then became the main tax uh sort of tax cut that, that became the main tax cut that was offered in the manifesto because you know i mean it, we weren't the only people who'd had that idea over the over the years but we were the ones who sort of said look here's here's why you should do it here's how much it will cost here's the polling evidence here are the focus group evidence showing that you know this this really hits the spot in terms of you know hard working family just about managing types outside the outside the m25 so you know we had so we had we had a sort of leg up in that you know we'd been thinking about the kind of people that the government ended up thinking about for for quite a while and in your role as as effectively editor and co-author of the manifesto are you then given a platform to pitch in CPS policies into the manifesto? No. So, um, I mean, so, what, so one of the rules about manifesto is that you don't talk about the kind of the, the details of it um, too much because um, you know it's um, it's it's fun. It's a, a very fundamentally collaborative effort. But essentially, there was there was sort of two very very distinct phases. There was a phase when when I as a private you know as a as a complete someone who wasn't part of the Conservative Party head of an independent think tank was pitching in ideas saying you know hey here are like here are ten things you should do, and here's why you should do them. And every single other think tank was doing exactly the same thing um, because you know you, you, if you want to if you want to see your ideas implemented, getting them into a party manifesto is probably like the best way of doing it. And that's not unusual, we should say. And and think tanks aren't the only people doing that. Charities are doing yeah, that. I mean, elements of the public sector are doing that. Trade a, unions a, are doing it. Backbench MPs, yes. um, the 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 parties themselves, the Conservatives have the Conservative Policy Forum where they kind of try and collate ideas from all their members. Essentially, yeah, there's 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 all sorts of stuff stuff going in um, and. Um, Kind of you, you know. I, I feel really sorry for the people at the centre because they're, you know, they're just getting every, like, every, you know, they're getting kind of completely bombarded all the time. I got a sort, a slight flavour flavour of it when my name leaked, sort of, um, with about a week to go. I suddenly started getting people going, oh, by the way, I've got this really great idea. And I'm you, just going to ask about this. <laughs> so, in t- so for people trying to either go through you to get stuff into the manifesto first. So you did experience that. I mean, was that a, a lot of traffic coming your way? Not, not as much as um, like so. I mean, Rachel and Minera. Their names were they they they'd been doing it for months. Their names were in the public. Um, I, well, I don't think they'd ever it, it, maybe they'd been formally named. But Boris has said, you know, it's being the manifesto has been written by this amazing team of uh, of two great women um, who uh, and so everyone you know everyone knew. So so yeah, I think they were getting and especially you know Minera runs the Downing Street policy unit. Obviously, she's going to get um, people yeah. suggesting stuff. So, but but one of the key things that then was like 
when they said, "Hey, can you come and help?" was to sort of take that hat off and just lose like lose any any sense of like what might you know. Oh, oh, this is a good idea because I've suggested it. It's like you know that you you know, or like oh hey we know we we had the night you know that that's not the stage you're at the you know, the stage was, you know there is a document to be got out got out and, but it's, you know it's not just about the it's, it's not just about the document. There's an enormous like when you're in government there are so many moving parts there are so many like things that you have to have to do and say and have have an opinion on and just like it's essentially. Everyone says, "Oh, you were involved in the manifesto." Because it must have been all about the ideas, and it was—I mean, at one point, it was all about the ideas. Yeah. And, and but especially about tying them in with the kind of central theme of the campaign. But the the bit I was doing was was just like air traffic control. It's just making sure that like you're so. There was a sentence in there about saying, um, you know, we um, we will support uh, what was it? You know, um, efforts to resolve you know conflicts and. Find you know, bring about peace and reconciliation in, um, you know, uh, it's Cyprus, Sri Lanka, and Israel, where we maintain our support for the two-state solution. Um, and then you know you see you, you get someone saying, "Hang on, does that mean you you want a two-state solution in Sri Lanka and Cyprus?" It's like, no, 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 no. It's, yes. that's very clearly about Israel because that's the language. That's yeah. been, you know, but there's all sorts of yeah. All, there's just all sorts of um, you know, and there's the you know. Yes, and you, so you've got you've got this this document. You have to fact check it. You have to you have to make sure that all the numbers add up. You have to sort of think about what the the what criticisms might be made of it. Then you've got to do the you know the 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 version for Wales, the version for Scotland, the you know Northern Irish. You, you know you've got to and you've got to make sure they all kind of mean up. You've got to you know do an you know, a sort of you know a Braille version. You know there's there's the, you know there's the, there's all you know there's a there's just a kind of a really sort of long process of. Just a big Nuts admin job. Yeah, um, yeah. In many ways. And did you have to fact check that yourself, or did they no, give no, you no, a no, team? No, they had no. They, no they, I mean, so they, they, it was an you know there, there was an incredibly good team of um, of people at, CC, at, at, at CCHQ who were who, who were doing doing everything. You know, um, no, I mean, some stuff you, you you you'd look up yourself, but um, but like you know, I wrote in a. I mean, they were and they were really ruthless. Like I I, I wrote in a thing about um, saying you know. Like the number of no, like because we were because obviously science and innovation was a big thing about it. So I was sort of I said, hey, you know, and should, uh, why don't I just add in a sentence saying, you know, and we, you know, Cambridge University alone has more Nobel prizes than you know China, Japan, France, and Germany combined, or whatever. The, that wasn't someone was like, no, 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 um, you know, because there's two different versions of this statistic, and one of them says, you know, that one of them's not. So, so, so one of the, so this this one of the things I really I really got angry with is everyone sort of talks about how we're in this sort of post truth age and no one cares about. About facts and no one cares about detail, and there were people like tearing their hair out to make sure that every single thing in it, you know, even the yeah, uh, you know, you know, even the even the the, the, the like the nurses statistic, which is what everyone focused on, yes. was it was it was entirely defensible. I mean, you know, there was a very clear explanation of how that had been. How that so that's the fifty thousand, yeah, where eighteen and a half thousand are existing staff, yeah, and it's it's, it's you know, the the idea was very clear that you know it, at the end of the parliament, you know, the number of nurses will be you know the current number plus fifty thousand, but it was, um, but yeah, I, I I wasn't that, that involved in that stuff, but it was just yeah. So with the process, do you have a kind of schedule where they say right Monday morning? 10 a.m. or every day 10 a.m. we reconvene and then at four we do this at six we do that um not really um i mean i mean yeah i mean yes i mean they were like you know okay let's have let's have a few let's have you there's meetings to be had where like there was sort of signposts staging posts to go through like you know you've got to get 
fairly obviously, and it's exactly the same on the Labour side. They have that um, that big, you know, clause, clause five, clause five, clause meeting, five meeting, yeah. meeting where everyone gets to get you. Know, so, you know, you've got to get it signed off by the cabinet. You've got to get, well. <laughs> So you know, I, I say you've got to. But in 2017, they you know they they really didn't do that much with this, which is kind of. But you know they they basically only showed like like people were shown and gone. This is what this is what the manifesto says. Any any complaints? Well, tough. <laughs> you know, um, uh, so no. So you've got you know you've got to get sign off from um, the advice you know, from the ministers concerned. You've got to get sign off. So the man there was a manifesto committee of. Um, Senior cabinet ministers, which was uh, which was set up, who sort of saw it at, at various stages. You've got to, you know, the chancellor has to sign it off, um, and you know he and his team were were very heavily involved. Um, you know, and obviously the prime minister, prime minister has to sign it off. The the campaign have to sign it off. Um, you know, because there's it's you know you don't want the manifesto document to be saying one thing and the you know the the the, the, the wider campaign to be saying another. You know, so it's a you know, there's there's lots of steps of that of, of that kind of stuff and are you in those meetings and if so how rigorous are they do some cabinet ministers say well you know i imagine they go straight to the pages that relate to their brief and say well this work and pensions thing is rubbish or is there sort of muscle flexing that you would expect sometimes in these meetings i, I think everyone you know everyone does responds differently as you as you'd expect um i mean i was I mean, I'm going to sound like a complete suck up. Um, I was, <laughs> I was genuinely, I was genuinely impressed by how collegial everyone was. How you know, and I think it helped that by, uh, by that point, people had gone through, through you know, people knew had, had been discussing it and had gone through it and knew kind of what they, what they wanted to do, um, and you know, were all on the same page. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't as if people were suddenly being ambushed by here's a completely here's a policy you've never come across in your chosen area, which, you know. Yeah, it was it was much you know there there, there was um, I mean there, and there were areas where where things moved around you know more more than others and there were people who had more to had had more to feed in but you know I think um, ultimately you know fingers crossed everyone was pretty happy with it and especially pretty ha- pretty happy with it when you know it didn't then blow up two or three days later and then <laughs> even more happy with it when you know um, when the, the the election result but you know the the man you know I. I, I am, I'm very happy to sort of claim claim any credit that people want to give me. But the, you, this was the election was not about the manifesto. Let's let's be honest. You know, the election was about Boris and Brexit and Corbyn, and you know the the the, the fundamental job of the manifesto was not to not to blow up the campaign in the way that 20, the 2017 uh, uh, social care uh, pledge did. Well, that's what I was going to say. It, the fact that it wasn't about the manifesto, I suppose, is a success that you can claim. Partial yeah, credit but, for but, being but equally, but equally, you know, just the the pressure on you after that, like the kind of the folk, like because now people know that okay, this is a point, this is a point of failure, a potential point point of failure, and so the, the you know the 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 sort of like if if you get this wrong, if there is something in this which you know none of us have spotted, but turns out to be disastrous, you know that there's that there's that the, suddenly that fear is there. It's like um, it's like it's like you know if Barcelona were to play Liverpool again, yes. you know they'd have they 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 have in the back of the mind like, you know, last time we lost you know last time we lost four 0 and it was you know the tra- the, the trauma was there yes. you, know, the, you know they're just kind of yeah. So at the start of the project, if you can call it that, did they say we definitely need this manifesto to be delivered by this date? Was there sort of a hard deadline when they, in their grid, they'd said, "Well, we need it at the very latest to be here in order to." Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, I think they had a they had a launch date. I mean, but all these things are are kind of flexible, as mm. as I understand it. I, w- I wasn't involved in any of the the logistics, but yeah, there was a, you know, they they always knew, okay, we want to launch it sort of around here, and then we want to, 
and sort of working back from that, that means it needs to be at the printers by here. It needs to get Boris to sign off by here. It needs, you know, there was a, yeah, there was a, a, a sort of series of gates that you have to that you have to go through. And you know, so many people will know this from their lives, but whenever you're trying to finalise any sort of document or presentation, there's the final, final draft that it may even be called final, absolutely final draft, and then. Even after that, there is something someone spots. I mean, did you go through that process with this? Um, yeah, there were. There, I mean, yeah, there were. Um, yeah, I mean, I think I sort of. I think we got it into a decent enough state, sort of early enough that. But but when we were saying early enough, we're saying like you know, we're talking sort of like you know you know twenty four hours before the deadline, as opposed to weeks oh, before the deadline. Yeah. Um, yeah. I you know and you and also your eyes glaze over. You've seen the same thing, twenty seven different times you know you, you you're just you're you're, you're speeding it through you don't notice things and also i mean and this isn't a comment about the, the manifesto but just as a as an editor it's always when you're making changes that the errors errors creep in especially when you're under when you're under time pressure like you'll you'll have this sort of you'll have it all sort of perfect and then someone will say um oh actually can we change this line and then you you change it but that's when you make the typo and so you always then so what even once you've made changes to a document you then need to always go back and then scrutinize and make sure that you've um You've actually kind of got it, uh, got it right. So there is, there is, there is one typo in the. I think I maybe, maybe two, but there is, there is one. There's like a which comes from you know. There's a um, there's there's like a there's something. It's like kind of India and China, and there's no space between the and and the China. And I'm still annoyed. <laughs> <laughs> well, people can buy the manifesto, or even yeah, look, all good, all good bookshops. Or, the, uh, uh, or not, or not. You know, I ordered a hard copy because I wanted. Um, I wanted to have it here. I've got the electronic copy that I read at the time. But I wanted a hard copy to, to sort of have here. But it hasn't arrived yet. And I ordered it a week ago from the Conservative Party online shop. So yeah, but there's, but there's be also, warned. Yeah. But there's all sorts of things like, you know, um, even just like the, the pictures. Like if you're going to... So one of the great ideas they had was let's have a, a, a series of pictures of our candidates to make to show that we are a national party, to show that we've got all these people doing all these jobs like you know, pharmacists, nurse, you know... Um, military men. Military men, you know, lo- lo- love a bit, you know, love a bit of that. A bit of that. Um, and, you know, just to make sure, uh, you know, someone who founded a free school, you know, just to, just to sort of show to show the diversity. And then you sort of have, you know, then you've got the classic thing of, okay, you know, we need to then know who all these people are. We need to make sure that, of course. you know, that none of them are, you know, we need to then make sure we've got permissions to use all the photos. Are there people in the background of those photos, you know, um, who's, you know, who might object to being put in a Tory manifesto? <laughs> you, you know, um, do you then, ha- you know, have you, hang on a second, we've got like, you know, three white guys in a row. So maybe we, need, you know, it's just that kind of, and that's all intimately familiar to me from, from newspapers because that's exactly, that's exactly what you're having to do at newspapers. It's, you know, it's, you know, yeah, you know, you're going article by article, but then you have to stop and look at the look at the whole thing and look at the flow and look at the design and like, do you have a, you know, do you have an article about, uh, you know, a plane crash in a news section next to an advert for British Airways? Yes, you know, those kind of. Uh, <laughs> Those those yeah. common sense decisions yeah. the, that can yeah, spare and, yeah, and a the, lot of blushes. And, and, and the guys doing that, I mean, there was they were they were really fantastic. It was, you know, it was, yeah, it was insanely stressful. But there were but there was there was just a really good team team doing it. The photo in the manifesto that probably got most attention was the last one. Oh, we love Boris. We love Boris. A group of are they steel workers or industrial looking? I think it's a chemical engineering plant. Um, Quite from, a few blokes memory. in that picture in yeah. you know high vis hard hat stuff with we love. So did you have to get permission from every single one of them? 
Um, I don't know, but I, th- I mean, but I think you, I think that picture had been taken. It was on the wires. It was, you know, it was it out. There, it, it, it? it was out there. But um, but also, you know, that's like if you're if you, I mean, everyone loved that picture because if you were looking for a picture which sums up the type of voters that you're appealing to, then that's it. And the fact that they had the sign, they like you know, no one sort of made the sign for them. They just they wanted to do you know, and so you know, that was like the kind of the, the sort of emblematic picture of the campaign that because it that said you know especially because when you know, when you're down in london everyone's you know everyone's much more left wing everyone's much more you know momentum is sort of rampaging from constituency to constituency you know you're gonna you know and then but knowing that out there in the in the real world there's actually you know there's a sort of countervailing force i think that's quite that's quite encouraging if we should say if you do know anyone in that picture Email us politicalpartypodcast at gmail dot com. We should try and reunite them in five well, years' I, time. Well, so um, so one of our so so someone who used to work at the CPS then went off to be a special advisor at the Brexit uh, in the Brexit department. I think he I he I, he either took the, took the photo or was there when the photo was being taken. So I can uh, I can put you in put us uh, in touch. We make a, for a lovely online documentary in five to ten years' time with Boris Johnson and with the Prime Minister and his involvement and your. Working relationship yeah, yeah, with him. Yeah, and I'm not allowed... To, there's lots of stuff I'm not allowed to talk about in terms of the details. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, but go on. Um, well, did you have regular contact with him? Well, so, I mean, so... So my my slightly weird uh, situ- situation is that when I was at the Telegraph, because I, I was the comment editor, I used to be Boris Johnson's editor. Oh so my! I was, brilliant. Um, so you know, every so every Sunday, I'd call him up and we'd have a dis- discussion about what he was going to write about, and then the copy would come through, and I'd be like, uh, "Yeah, that's pretty much word perfect," because you're Boris Johnson. Um, <laughs> And uh, you know, occasionally I'd sort of go, you know, Mr. Johnson, sir, can I can I change a comma here? Or I'm not quite, sure, you know, I, th- I think you've made a typo here. But you know, but he was he was absolutely um, sort of perfect. So it was a very weird it was a very weird situation to to be in to be effectively kind of producing a document f- for him to approve rather than the, the other way around. rather than the other way around. Um, so um, you know, he's you know, it's and it's ultimately you know, it's his manifesto. It's his. It's the you know the, the prime minister like the prime minister has to be happy with with every single thing in that, um, um, and like you know it's his it's his campaign he you know he's the he's the ultimate um, ultimate decision maker so um, yeah no uh, but equally you know he's 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 running a campaign he's you know he's being sent from place to place he's you know, making speeches making appearances so it's you know he's not he's not sitting in. So he's not sitting in a central office, kind of over his shoulder, going, "No, hey guys, no, that you know, move that sentence, that section around." But I think what what helped, and I think what reading some of the autopsies of the Labour campaign, which I, I think it, they they didn't have, was that that like the manifesto wasn't just the manifesto; it was a there was a very clear communications and policy strategy that it all kind of lined up. That you know that it was clear what the messages of the campaign were. Mostly, get Brexit done. Uh, you know, on the cover, wave it in front of the cameras. Um, but uh, you know, all the you know the NHS, school funding, you know, more police on the streets. You know, the the, you know, the key messages were were really clear. And so, you know, the, it wasn't a case of like you know you had a you know a series of you know PR stunts and empty you know and just sort of Boris appearing places, and then you had the manifesto, and that had all the policies in it. What you had was you know the policies were being rolled out day by day by day. And to the point where you know when the actual manifesto appears itself, it's not it's not much of a surprise because all the stuff in there it has been that's that's the campaign that's the campaign that's like it's it's just a seam well in in theory and in ideally it's just a seamless part of of what the campaign is and I I I've been sort of thinking about this and looking back and I you know the campaigns that worked 
seem I think are the ones where that's that's the case. Actually, you, actually, you can sort of make a case about Labour in twenty seventeen that their campaign, their their manifesto was a sort of a seamless expression of what they were of what they were offering. It was you know it kind of it sort of encapsulated it pretty well in. 2017, the Tory manifesto, you sort of had the campaign and then the, the manifesto sort of dropped dropped into the campaign because it was slightly different groups of people who were doing it. And apparently from reading the autopsies on the Labour campaign, that's kind of what happened with them in, in 2019. That You had like, partly because no one was talking to each other because of the arguments about Brexit, you had like Andrew Fisher doing the, the manifesto and then you had the guys doing the strategy and then and they'd all sort of theoretically agreed what the strategy and they theoretically agreed what was in it but there wasn't it wasn't like a completely seamless operation whereas yours was um i i mean i i'm not you know i i feel like a complete fraud right i was there <laughs> i was there for i was there for, two, for for like two and a half weeks i think it was but what and, an you know, impact you had and, and it was you know it was it was utterly fantastic but you know fundamentally i was just i was a kind of i was Doing, I was a dog's body. I was a very sort of highly skilled dog's body. But you know, but all of the big decisions, all of the you know the, the stuff had been had been done, you know, well before. You know, there were, you know, we were sort of tucked away in a corner doing our doing our bit. You know, and there were other other you know. I, but I genuinely, you know, politics is an incredibly bitchy industry, as you may have picked up yeah. over the over the you know, and uh, you know, media is also an incredibly <laughs> bitchy industry. But no one. Like no one was sort of complaining. It, it, it sort of struck me there was a sort of a unity and a focus, and no one was complaining. No one was sort of going, "Oh, actually, you know, I, I think we're doing the wrong thing." Everyone sort of recognised this is this is you know this is the right the right thing to be doing. You know, get Brexit done. Absolutely the right message. You know, it. it, it you know, people seem to be you. Know, and even you know, the, so there was a, there's a part of me which once the manifesto comes out, I'm sort of going, "Oh well, you, there was this great policy on page like 35 that you know you, you they haven't really made as much of as they could have. You know why? And why aren't they talking about that? And the answer was they weren't talking about that was because the campaign was get Brexit done. Uh, you know the, the 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 manifesto policies were there to to, to support that, but, but but fundamentally it wasn't. You know, it wasn't. Hey, look at our amazing domestic agenda. The, the domestic agenda stuff was there to give people the reassurance that they could vote for the that they could vote for the it was and this and this is completely something which I'm not responsible for but and Manira and Rachel deserve amazing credit for it the the manifesto was aimed at people who aren't going to vote Tory or haven't voted Tory in the past it was you know and it was so you know it led with the stuff that they cared about there was a there was a uh, Huffington Post uh, did a focus group which I sort of um, I read as I was you know, I was asking people what you, what are the issues that concern you in your day to day life, and they went through. It was like you know, NHS, education, crime, potholes. You know, it was it was lit almost sort of not just sort of not just the same topics as the Tory manifesto, but like in the same order. There'd been a really there would have been a really clear effort to sort of say, okay, you know, we we're going to address the things that people actually care about, and then you know, and then yes, yes, then there's the stuff about you know. Uh, skills and 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 helping small business and you know and investing in science and all but, but you know the, but the but it was a kind of two step thing it was like we'll focus on your you know, we'll tackle your priorities first and then we'll unleash Britain's potential. How much of that is due to Boris Johnson's personal political direction and the the fact that those are things that he has decided the Tories need to talk about, and how much of it is a reaction to what happened in twenty seventeen? Um, I think. A combination of both. I mean, I think um, my personal diagnosis has always been that you know, like the, the the speech Theresa May gave on the steps of Downing Street was was great. It was it was a really good encapsulation of what what a modern mainstream majority winning Conservative Party should be about. 
you know, that there were this group of people out there who are trying to trying to live you know, good lives, trying to do the be- their best, working hard, and we should be on their side and support them. But then the problem was there was no kind of there was no meat on the bones. Um, and in fact, um, the manifesto, you know, there was, it, it, by, by contrast, it was, you know, they were so determined to differentiate themselves from sort of right-wing Thatcherism. Stuff. They, they kind of effectively, the ideas that were there were sort of fairly Ed Miliband. Um, or, you know, there was a, there was a definitely a, a veneration for the power of the state. Um, and um, so the way I've sort of put it is that when sort of thinking about this is like there was a sort of process of convergent evolution like from from the point of the of the Brexit vote it was sort of apparent to quite a lot of us that the Tories had to become the party of uh, uh, you know a, a, the party of the people who voted for leave you know the, the 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 inexorable logic was grinding towards that that point and you know and they also happened to be the people who who'd got a sort of raw deal they'd got i mean we've done some work on like on this that you know they've got you know, much less investment in infrastructure much less investment you know they they these are the places which have been left behind and so developing a policy so lots of in, people independently um were sort of thinking about how you then fix that um we, we were doing that in our own policy work but you know Rachel and her you know her Rachel's husband James Frayne was the person who invented the the phrase just about managings uh, you know he's a you know so he was um, this other, I mean Dominic Cummings obviously thinking about this and and Boris thinking you know thinking about this because so but 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 so there's that sort of strain of it so there was this kind of there was this sort of quite a fertile sort of uh, you know there was a sort of quite fertile sort of intellectual efforts to de- to develop sort of policies and ideas and to work out how, how this is happening you know, most of it not really covered by the media but not you know not because because everyone was just fixated on Brexit. Um, but equally, Boris, you know, he's the line he's used is that he's a Brexity Hesseltine, right? He's, you know, he's if you, if you, you know, anytime you talk to Boris, he, his mind turns to, you know, to building bridges, stopping knife crime, like you know, you know, he's a he's a he is a compassionate conservative. He is a liberal, you know, in the in the best sense. You know, he he wants to leave leave people to get on with their lives, but he he's not. He thinks that free enterprise is great and that you know and that business should be championed but he also thinks that we should look after the poor and protect the protect the needy you know he you know when he was mayor of london you know that's you know it it wasn't that he sort of took off a mask and put it back on you know he's not a he's never and when he stood for the leadership i, I remember thinking like the people he, he had sort of standing alongside him if he hadn't had brexit as his core promise they'd have like they'd have never you know it was you, you had the kind of the right of the story party standing there Sort of cheerfully endorsing a, a program of you know higher you know higher spending on on education you know hiring th- tens of thousands more public servants you know he was you know that's so that's what he that's what he that's that's what he 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 is and what he and what he wants to do but so it all it all sort of came together quite nicely so you so I think in terms of the strategy uh, in terms of you know, there was absolutely a reaction to 2017 but I don't but it wasn't a cynical thing of like going okay people care about the nhs so we need to promise you know x on the nhs it's like you know it's a thing of like you know people you know people genuinely have a sense that the public services aren't haven't especially the nhs haven't had as much resources as they want people have a sense that they're the places around them are not getting the attention they they need and that that should be that should you know that the the conservatives should should move on to that territory If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. 
With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The CPS, co-founded by Margaret Thatcher in 1974, seen by many as the, the vanguard of Thatcherism. How does Thatcherism differ, if it does, uh, in any way from Johnsonism? And does Johnsonism exist? Um, I think uh, I think we'll see Johnsonism existing uh, and see how it develops. I mean, I, I think that that idea of um, you know of concern for you know, a concern for left behind places and places and people is is a really powerful part of it. Um, I think um, you know, Boris is instinctively uh, you know favours higher spending than uh, than the sort of traditional Thatcherite orthodoxy, but equally he favours low low taxes. So um, you know, um, at the moment the high spending is 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 winning out part just because of the demands. But you know, but the, it's, it's notable that there is a kind of insistence on day to day spending control. It's the, it's in, in on the capital and infrastructure side where. They want to invest, and there's a really there's a sort of sound argument for that you know, in terms of where interest rates are. You know, it's it's if you can invest in stuff which will raise the productive potential of a country, then it's you know it's it's logical to do so. So, you know, you know, the, but in terms of the, the question about the, the CPS and Thatcherism, I mean, it, it's 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 a life one for us. I mean, we're you know I you know I was a hired hand on the manifesto. It's if if I'd had a free hand to write a document of my own, um, and I hadn't had to worry about electoral reality, it would have it would have looked slightly different. Um, in what way different? To the um, right? Um, well, I don't, I don't think, I mean, I think right and left, I think some of the, I mean, I, I one of the things I do agree with is the, um, I, I think, you know, the, I, I think, I th- so again, a sort of pet theory, I think we're going to, like, we need to re- rethink our sort of ideas of what right and left are. Yes. Like, if you, because, you know, delivering Brexit is apparently a right-wing thing, but even though, like, 52% of people voted for it. You know, cracking, you know, there's a, there was a mad editorial in The Guardian the other day arguing that Boris Johnson was laying a, a cunning trap for the left by promising to crack down on county lines drug gangs. I mean, like, like what, what planet are you on when, when, you know, when this is a clever piece of triangulation to, like, 
address a, a massive criminal justice issue that people are really concerned about. You know, and like, you know, the idea that Keir Starmer is going to sort of, the former DPP is going to stand up and say, you know what, actually, we need to respect the rights of these of these drug gangs. And, and the problem is really kind of wider, in wider society. Um, so, yeah, um, so I think, um, I mean, I, I think, you know, there's, so one of the sort of changes to, to Thatcher, so I, I published a, a sort of an essay called Popular Capitalism. Um, um, it was meant to be during the Tory leadership contest and then um, actually uh, sort of realised that you, uh, you know, that you didn't want to sort of intrude in the, yeah. in, in, in the debate on that. But they, um, but one, I think one of the things I, 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 I sort of believe, believe in is, you know, A, you need to, you know, you need to, you need to show people, as I said, how free market principles can work for them in their lives. Home ownership, which is is like, so one of the areas, so if I'd been writing the manifesto, like, to court, I mean, there was a home ownership component in there. And in fact, one of the key policies was a CPS policy, which is about um, uh, introducing a new market in long term fixed rate mortgages, which I think for first time buyers, which I think could be really, really exciting. But like, if I'd had, if I'd been writing something for myself, it would did like, you, you build more houses would have been in a sort of 96 point font in the on a sort of first page um and like or increased home ownership would have been there you know both by building houses and by doing doing other stuff but um i think the, the point about the sense of place is an interesting one that that's not something that the tories have traditionally been into um but also also family i think one of the um one of the criticisms that you can make of the sort of of, of the sort of 80s version of um conservatism is that you know it's very much focused on the individual and individual aspiration and 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 one of the things we've realized over the the last few years is actually you know people see their family's interests as identical to their own so one reason why this whole sort of david willett's crusade for like to you know let's take from the old and give to the young one reason why it's, it's not got off the ground at all is that people don't like you know people the, the old are people's parents and grandparents and they don't like the idea that you should take away from them in order to give to them like i'm really struck by you know, differential tax. So we so the if the idea of charging you know, charging people over over fifty x for that, for social care or giving tax breaks to people under twenty five to sort of help even playing fields. Those those things I I would have thought that people people would see the logic on and they in you know in polls and focus groups they don't tend to come over and but you know George Osborne. It, it it's sort of one of the most sort of remarkable things in politics that not a lot of people have thought about. George Osborne basically. One uh, avoided a uh, forced Gordon Brown to call off an early election by promising to raise inheritance tax thresholds at a time when inheritance tax was a, a tax paid by like four percent of the population, because people want to be you know, people and uh, people have aspiration. People want to get you know, want to get family homes, pass them on to their to their, to their children. I mean, if, if it hadn't been for Brexit, I you know I suspect a really you know, which was obviously the the key to. I suspect a really powerful line that the Tories could have used was about Labour's sort of plans to, you know, basically tax, you know, the the plans for sort of lifetime limits on transfers, which were basically saying to people, you know, you can't you can't pass on your family home, or could have been spun that way in very large parts of the country. I thought that was an electorally suicidal policy um, when it was when it was first put forward because people, you know, you know, they want to live, they want to, they don't just want, you know, no one earns money just to earn money. And just for the sort of sheer pleasure of seeing the numbers in their bank account tick up, they do it because they want to give a good life to their for themselves, but also for the families. You mentioned Dominic Cummings earlier. How involved was he in the process, and did you have to deal with him much? Um, so, um, you know, one of the I think actually, it's it's underappreciated how brave it was of of Dom to take himself out of that campaign. 
um, and to say to because so, say to Isaac Levito, you can be in charge because because you're a professional at this. I mean, you know, it's not as if Dom hasn't run campaigns before. He ran Vote Leave and ran it incredibly successfully. So, uh, for, so for someone to to just to sort of have to pass that self denying ordinance, I think was a really, really you know strong, um, you know, it was it was a really impressive thing. So. Um, I think you know it's fair to say that you know the spirit of Dom was was felt you know hovering above the waters. Um, you know it's you know he is a very important figure. He's uh, you know he is a, he's one of the not not the because it is. I, I was going to remind people it is ultimately Boris's government, um, but you know Dom is obviously a really important part of that, um, and you know has, has had so so you know he's got so much experience, has so many really interesting ideas. So you know so obviously you know, his influence was felt, and there were you know. The, the the idea of you know, increasing the science budget, um, the first focus on things like clean energy, life sciences. You know, there's, there's definitely, uh, you know, that's, and I, you know, and all of that's. I can't say how that came into the manifesto because it was already there when I when I got there, as it were. But but obviously, it's stuff that he's been championing for, for 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 quite a while. But no, it's not as if he was sort of he was sort of sitting there, you know. Again, it's not as if he was sitting. It wasn't you know, it, it, you know the. the the, the, on the on the on the sort of nuts and bolts, um, it wasn't. You know, we, we we you know there were there was a group of us who were who were trying to who were doing it, and occasionally you would show everyone you're working effectively, and um, and people would feed in and feed in and, and, and criticize. Um, not not criticize, but feed in and sort of and make suggestions. But fortunately, uh, you know the the basic. You know everyone sort of basically agreed agreed that the basics were good. So you know you weren't you know you weren't you, there weren't huge arguments about about structure or or language or you know anything like that it kind of yeah um but uh, no he was i mean i as i said you know but, but i mean isaac levido again who was the this um australian um champion director I mean, he deserves enormous credit for for how um how he how he oversaw things Dominic Cummings has taken on a kind of mythical status where he's seen like I mean every generation has these figures. Alastair Campbell, Alistair Steve Campbell. Hilton, yeah, you, yeah, the, Linton the, Crosby, the, you know, there's yeah. always someone there that people like to go is a kind of Rasputin figure that's this all-seeing genius. What's your impression of him? Um, I've so I've only um, I, so I don't you know I don't know him that well, um, but I'm. One of the things that always strikes me is, is, is how polite he is. He is, um, you know, he and actually it's sort of almost. So, so I think he's he's one of those people who has like two modes. He has a mode when he is on on duty and a mode when he's off duty. And when <laughs> when he's off duty, he's actually sort of quite you know quite laid back, quite quite chilled. When he's on duty, you know, he is. If you talk to people who are involved in vote leave, and you know, you know, it was a it was an you know, and also you know, DFE. When one of Dom's skills is to is to get to knit together a team and inspire them, and you know, he's one of those people who is like if if you're part of his if you're if you if you know if he thinks you're good if you've if you've got good ideas, you know, he's not you know then he will be he will be loyal to you and support you and make you feel like you are the you know. You know, make you like feel you're working on, on, on cloud nine. I think that's that's a it's a really under underappreciated skill. I mean, I think it's everyone's seen the 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 Benedict Cumberbatch thing now. So it's always like you know there's a kind of rock star element to it. Um, when he sent out that job advert on his blog asking for weirdos and whatever else, as a conservative, do you look at that and think? That's a bit strange, or do you think? Oh well, maybe this is the new world we're living in now, and this is quite an innovative thing. I, I thought it was. I mean, it's it's not 
but it's you know it's 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 not it's not a, a wacky departure for Dom to write a. a in fact, the, the wacky departure was the fact that the blog post was three thousand words rather than twenty thousand words. Um, but you for know, someone inside Downing Street to put out something like that but, is unusual. But it is it is unusual. But at the same time, I think you know one of the sort of light motifs of like so. I've not worked in in Downing Street and or in any of the, the ministries, so I can't sort of talk to people about it. But but talking to not just to Tories, so to Labour people as well, you know, the sort of level of frustration with the, the you know, it's kind of obvious to everyone that like the the government isn't working as well as it should, and the you know, it, and partly maybe you know maybe that, um, um, Brexit has obviously potentially sort of exacerbated that. But you know, I think I sort of I always remember. I went to see uh, Jeremy Hayward when he was still with us, um, speaking at the Institute for Government alongside, uh, and he said, and I think it was alongside every other sort of former cabinet uh, secretary, which was you know, uh, quite interesting. But one of the things he said was, well, you know, I don't think the private sector has anything to teach the public sector now about project management. And I kind of, kind of spit out my coffee because it was, yeah, <laughs> there's this litany of pro- like HS2 being one of the examples. There's this litany of projects which just aren't really managed properly and aren't really delivered properly. And you know. One of the, the joys of working at the CPS is we have a really, you know, one of the decisions I made when I took over was to try to recruit people who'd, who'd been in, in government and knew how the sausage was made and could sort of, so so when they made suggestions, they would have a weight to them, but also they'd know how to frame things so that they there was more chance of them their, them becoming actual policy. And, um, you know, talking to, to, to them, you know, you know um, everyone has their own experience, but there, there is a lot of sort of sense that things just aren't quite working as they should so i uh, yeah so i wasn't um i yeah i just i was just more amused by it by, than anything else just the fact that everyone just it became like the it is like the big bang bongs it, it became like the, the the central story in the media for like for for about you know like when when does like you know downing street wants to hire some people is, is that is that since when is that like the major story in the country i suppose that in itself isn't unusual but the fact that there's this renegade atmosphere around Cummings and the way that he's done it and the language that he chose to use i suppose not even necessarily that people were troubled by it i suppose it was just something a bit different yeah um i think he's yeah and I, but i think um you know if you look at the department for education the the, the stuff he and michael go did there you know that, again there was a there was a radical spirit they they you know, they they made enemies. They kind of they threw things things out, but they got stuff done. I mean, that's like of all the departments where the Cameron ref- the agenda, reform agenda during Cameron era was successfully pushed through. That was that was the one. And I think you know, and actually you know, I, I think you know Michael Gove's own skills as a as someone who who can as a kind of reforming minister are you know are second to none. Do you feel now that Brexit is definitely going to happen? The, the the tribes well, in the yes cons- I, I do I do feel that Brexit is definitely going to happen <laughs> <laughs> and once it happens I'll stick my neck out <laughs> and once it happens do you get the feeling already that the the tribes in the Conservative Party are, are healing and mending those relationships a little I mean I think I mean I think obviously there are some people who were you know there was I mean there was a there was that kind of that juncture where you know the the Hammonds the Gorks that that sort of and that, you know, and that was a painful process. There were people who, uh, you know, had been conservatives all their lives. They were you know, like the, the guy who'd been chancellor until just just a weeks earlier. Um, then, you know, the fact that that was that was a, a sort of painful moment. But but it did illustrate that like the conservative party is actually now you know pretty united. You know, I mean, there are shades of opinion, but you know, you've got you know people like Matt, Nicky Morgan, Matt Hancock, Damian Green. Then you know, on the other far side, you've got. Uh, uh, Jacob Rees-Mogg, uh, Mark Francois, you know, 
uh, Bill Cash. You know, you know that's a that's still a quite a spread of opinion on Europe. But I, I mean, the, the yeah, the, 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 the if you go back to the European elections, you know, nine percent party fragmenting. Theresa May keeps on putting through the Brexit deal. I mean, you know, the odd, you know, the, wind the tape forward. You know, that, this is an extraordinary achievement, and it's, you know, it, it's it's done by by really just sort of pinpointing the only possible strategy, which is like you know the only person who can effectively disown Theresa May's leave Brexit deal convincingly is the guy who campaigned for leave in the first place and resigned over Theresa May's Brexit deal. He who also happens to be, you know, the what, the best campaigner that the Tory party has, which is, you know, convenient. Um, and then once he's in, he, you know, it's it's to go full ball for for leave, but then not, you know, but then actually actually do a deal, actually get a deal. I think you know that's a that's quite quite a comfortable place for people to be. And I think even if even those who, like I'm possibly a case study on this. I was I I voted Remain. I wrote about why I was voting voting Remain. But when it has as soon as it happens, you not only have to have Brexit, but you know, you have to make Brexit look look sort of feel different. You have to like show people there was a reason to do it, and I think that's a big part of a big part of this. Um, you know, the, I always sort of felt the worst thing to do would just be like have a kind of a bad photocopy of EU membership because you because then then why why would you why why would you even bother but even leaving? if that's better for the economy if it protects people's jobs and homes. Well, hopefully you can hopefully you can uh, get a, a you know a, a situation where you're. Whether you know the, the divergence is gradual, or you're diverging in terms of future, you know, like future industries, as opposed to you know, so you're protecting as much as you can what we already have. But um, and what, but you know, well, you know, we're still, you know, we're projected to the British economy is projected to grow more quickly than the eurozone over the next two years. I mean, that's not much of an accomplishment given the state of the eurozone. I mean, my my my, my sort of general sort of feeling is that you know our biggest problem is 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 stagnant growth and there's a you know and actually hopefully in the effort to distinguish ourselves after brexit we can focus on on some of those issues um productivity is obviously a huge issue skills infrastructure you know you know, fundamentally it's not just the uk you know across the west growth rates have have collapsed and you know unless we can get them back up to like you know three or four percent then you know fundamentally we're all going to be sort of mean-spirited and squabbling over uh, yeah, sort of, uh, sort of ever decreasing share of the pie. Looking ahead, because at this point, you'd say, well, Boris Johnson has just won this phenomenal election victory. Uh, the Labour Party has had its worst defeat since 1935. Who knows at what point they're going to be ready to, to fight an election and win one again? So it looks rosy from this juncture. But as you see it, what are the potential pitfalls for Boris Johnson's government? What, what are the what are the dangers he faces? So I'm much more pessimistic than, than than many others um i think um you know boris and brexit were so Bre- brexit and corbyn were two huge factors in a school saver which they're not going to have again i mean they might have a corbyn height or a corbyn light but you know they're not going to have someone who has basically spent 30 years like cozying up to some of the worst people in the in in the in the, in the world and sort of cheerfully inviting them into parliament to have cups of tea um so you know so so you know, so electorally, the Tory position is very strong. Like it will take quite a lot for Labour to get back. That said, you know, quite a lot of the new seats have quite small majorities. The electorate is more febrile. There's less of a sense of party loyalty. You really, you know, they really do have to deliver for these people. Um, we're probably overdue a recession. Um, you know, there's there's lots of factors you can. You know, there's lots of. You know, the, the Tories have. You know, this 
this feels like a new administration. It's being presented as a new administration, and I, you know, in, and it's there is definitely points of rupture. But at the same time, you know, the the, the Tories will have been in power in some form or another since twenty ten. So you know, that's quite a long time to say and give us another you know another few years, um, especially in an environment where people want change candidates, not not status quo. So what I so what I think the Tories need to do is effectively what Tony Blair did in 97, which is, you know, he, which is not like not let up. Like, you know, he had, the, there were many ways in which the Blair government wasted its first term. Um, but, uh, you know, but one of the sort of, they they kept, they, they, they sort of, they, they, they treated the Tories as though they were still the all powerful, all conquering election winning machine that they had been, rather than a, Disorganized rabble, which you know, which was never going to win an election. You know, they 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 drove towards the 2001 election, yeah. and you know, and really, you know, and sort of did not show it, did not feel any sense of complacency. And I think the Tories need to do something similar. You know, the moment they, uh, you know, the moment they start taking these new voters for granted, the moment they sort of feel, oh well, you know, we've had this election was a triumphant endorsement for you know everything we've always said, and we can just carry on doing stuff as as normal. You know that's when they'll lose. But equally, I don't sense that happening. I think there was a huge. Like, I mean, I was I was there in in CCHQ on the on election night, um, quite drunk by that point. <laughs> um, and you know, and Boris came in and, and sort of addressed the troops. And but and what he said was the same, exactly the same thing he said to the country a few hours later, which is like, we are well done. This was fantastic. But my God, we now have to deliver. We you know we are now a party which has MPs from. You know, yeah, from from rich to poor, from north to south, from east to west. You know, this has to be. You know, we have to do things differently. We have to deliver on the promises we've we've made to them. And is the fault line in the party still Europe, or does Brexit solve that for now, or does the does is that just a sticking plaster and this returns as a constant sore for the party, or, or might the fault line be something else? I, mean, I I don't think I think Europe is not the. I mean, I think there will be differences of interpretation. There will be arguments over quite how closely to align to Europe uh, versus uh, to go our own way as to you know what exactly should be in a trade deal with America. You know, there's there's all sorts of stuff. But it's, I don't. But you know, they've had the they've had the the split which has been coming. The the, the 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 argument which has been raging for decades has been won and won decisively by the Eurosceptics. Like to an extent, which you know. Even a few years ago, it was, it was the idea of suggesting that we should actually leave the European Union was was just genuinely shocking. And mm. so the the extent, so that you know that has been a, you know, I mean even you know, even um, you know it, it wasn't until I mean I think Nigel Lawson after Thatcher's death became almost the first senior Tory to actually say explicitly we should leave. Um, you know, it was all very coded language about you know trying to return Europe to a free trading network. You know, stop integration. You know, because no one. You know, it wasn't within the you know the the, the shift in the Overton. Like, so, my favourite example of this is Oliver Letwin. Uh, back in the you know back in the day, back in the eighties, Oliver Letwin was the most Eurosceptic man in the Tory Party. He wrote pamphlets for the CPS, warning of the that Europe was becoming a federal superstate. And the then chairman of the CPS was like, "I'm re- I, I'm really upset by these because because we're a Euro- we're a pro-European party because." You know, because no one was quite sure what Thatcher thought. She hadn't yet made the Bruges speech, but basically, so so Letwin was like there ahead of the Bruges speech. He then sort of he toured constituencies, sort of drumming up you know concern about about Europe. And then, you know, 
in his account of this, basically he then stayed in that position while over the next 30 years the, the rest of the world he just sort of zoomed past him to the point where he where, where what was the most Eurosceptic p- position in you know mainstream politics became like you know the most Europhile. <laughs> yeah. I'm you know I'm not sure I entirely buy the analysis, but it is it is quite it's quite striking to uh, to consider. Um, would you work on the next manifesto? Um, I mean, yeah, but I don't. I I, I, guess, I think it's a long way off. I you know I, I'll probably be doing something quite different like that. But ulti- you know ultimately it's yeah it's. It's an insane experience, but it's just it's like, you know, when when else in the rest of your life are you going to get to sort of like literally where you put a comma is going to determine, you know, you know, you know, one of the, the, the like the what it, it the, the the temptation to abuse the power that you've got is so, it's so good. And, and, you know, and, and you have to be you have to be absolutely, you know, like because obviously you know, they've chosen you to do to do this because you're someone who's not going to do this. Yeah. But, you you know, but if and. But if I just, I just remember thinking, if I just started writing in random stuff, then you know, then then there probably wouldn't have been a manifesto because it would have taken so long to. But you know, it's but you're you're literally, you know, you're you're talking, you know, you've got, I I think, you know, someone someone said it really, and this isn't just about manifesto, but just about like being in power generally and being a Downing Street. Like you, you always have to forget how important the decisions you're making are in order to be able to make those decisions, because mm-hmm. you know it's. You know, you're talking about millions and billions of pounds. You're talking about people's lives. You're talking about how to make them, how to make them better. And you know, if you get it wrong, then, or if you, you know, if you allocate money in the wrong way, then you know, then someone's gonna, that you know, that's a that's a really, you know, that's a really pr- profoundly. Yeah, the the responsibility of that is is absolutely is absolutely huge, and I think it's something that everyone who who does that is kind of is kind of alive to. I wish you'd have put some random stuff in there. Well, yeah, I, maybe you did. Actually, so what, what? What I was really, what I was really tempted to try and do was get like an acrostic in. So like the first, <laughs> the first word of every sentence, really like Rob was here or some, some kind of little. Oh, and there's absolutely there's there's no point people checking. They won't find there, it. No, no, absolutely not. Absolutely. Oh not. man, well, what a wonderful, uh, what a wonderful Easter egg that would have been to, to leave in there. Uh, Robert, thank you so much for coming in. There you go, Robert Colville, what a gentleman. And brilliant to, just to, uh, the bits I was more fascinated by was almost like how long was your working day? Who did you have to report to? The politics of it, I mean, obviously I'm usually more excited about the politics, but sometimes the admin side of it, I wanted to know where his desk was. And um, just the day-to-day reality of, as he very modestly put it, co-authoring and just editing a manifesto. But nevertheless... How often do you ever get to work on something like that? I thought it was absolutely brilliant and uh, a real insight, not just into the admin, but of course the politics and the politics of the party and the country for the next five, ten or who knows how many more years. Um, Thank you so much to everyone who's come to see me on tour already. Salford Lowry the other night was an absolute treat and it's been a pleasure to be at the Soho Theatre. If you are listening to this uh, in the period in which it was recorded. There's still a couple of nights left at the Soho Theatre. There's only a couple of tickets left for each night, but I'm there uh, until Saturday the 25th, every night at the Soho Theatre. And then I go nationwide. Um, Crew on the 20th of February. Leicester on the 21st, the Sue Townsend Theatre. What a beautiful place for comedy. At the Darlington Hullabaloo on the 5th of March. Hexham Queen's Hall. Oh, man, what a treat that was last year. March the 6th. 
Bedford Quarry, never played it before, uh, on the 7th of March. On the 10th of March, London, South Bank Centre, love the place. Uh, Maidenhead, Norden Farm, I've played it so many times, the 14th of March. On the 18th of March, for the first time on tour, oh no, it's the first time I've played this venue, the Hyde Park Book Club in Leeds uh, on the 19th of March. York on the 20th of uh, March. I've now been told by people on Twitter it's pronounced Anik at the Playhouse um, on the 22nd of March, the South End Dixon Studio on the 23rd of March, Cambridge Junction um, on the 27th of March, back to the South Bank Centre in London on the 29th of March, Brighton Comedia, and then in April on the 5th, Cardiff. Oh, man, the Sherman Theatre. The 7th, the Newcastle Stand. 8th, the Glasgow Stand. The 9th, Aberdeen Lemon Tree. The 10th, the Chorley Little Theatre. On the 12th, the Camberley Theatre. The 17th, Corby the Cube. On the 23rd, the Shrewsbury Theatre. Um, 7. On the 28th, the Exeter Phoenix. On the 30th, Bristol Tobacco Factory. And then in May, the 1st of May, Gloucester Guildhall. Uh, the 2nd of May, London Bloomsbury Theatre. What a treat. Uh, the 7th of May, Maidstone Hazlitt Arts Centre. The 13th of May, Nottingham is finally on sale at the Spiegel Tent, which is a beautiful venue that I've played in York and Edinburgh. It's going to be plonked in Nottingham's Market Square on the 13th of May. I'll be performing there. The 20th of May, Sheffield at the Lead Mill. I went drinking there as a kid and had triple vodkas and mixer for a quid. It's going to be great to go back. The 20th of May, the Stafford Met. The 22nd of May, London, the South Bank Centre again. And the 28th of May, Eastleigh, the Berry. That one's just been added. So if you're in the Southampton, Portsmouth, Winchester area, that's the nearest I'm coming to, the 28th, uh, Eastleigh. And then the 30th and 31st of May, two nights at the wonderful Edinburgh Stand. Other dates may be added, but at the moment, uh, that is the tour. You can get tickets for all those dates at mapfordcom slash live. Tell your friends, tell your family, uh, or if there's people out there you hate, tell them, send them along and give them the worst night of their lives. So um, I shall stop waffling and self-promoting now. As always, email the show, politicalpartypodcast at gmail.com. Please do leave a review on iTunes or wherever else you listen to this because it does help other people find it. Um, Enjoy the Labour Leadership Contest. My guest next week is Lisa Nandy, which is very exciting. Um, That's at the live show at the Other Palace. Now, the Other Palace shows sell out pretty much a year in advance. I'm not sure there are any tickets left for any of the shows this year. For later in the year, there may be a couple, um, but I think it's sold out until November. But do follow the Other Palace Theatre on Twitter and follow me on Twitter because usually on the day, one or two tickets do come up and then maybe it's short. And I know it's a nightmare if you're outside of London, but... Um, at short notice you still might be able to get in so thank you for uh, downloading and listening to this as always send me guest suggestions at politicalpartypodcast at gmail.com I'll see you next week ta Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.